Moving house. With kids. Mum! Moving house checklist. Top packing tips. Do it ourselves or hire movers? Hiya! <sighs> Things to do in the school holidays. Best solo holidays. <sighs> when life gives you questions, get answers at witch.co.uk. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. The costs, especially for the for the gold coins, can easily run well into the thousands. We've even seen one not that far shy of £3,000, so, so certainly not a kind of throwaway purchase. People love getting coins. It's fun. The actual coins themselves can be quite fun, so I understand why people do it. But I think if you're buying a coin thinking, yes, this is going to increase in value, this is a sort of solid way to make money, that's not that's not the mindset you should have. This week, as we prepare for the coronation of King Charles III, we're talking coin collecting. In the run-up to this historic event, collectors will be eyeing what many believe will be a worthwhile investment. But is that really the case? To tell us more about what you should look out for and whether they can be a worthwhile asset, I'm joined by the brilliant journalist, Faye Lipson. Hello, Faye. Hello. So then, ahead of the coronation this Saturday, a number of new coins have been made, haven't they? You might have found a 50p featuring King Charles III in your change, or have already bought or been tempted to buy a commemorative coin, maybe even made a larger investment in a solid gold coin. Faye, this new wave of coins is a really broad one, isn't it? How would you describe it in a nutshell, and how much could they set you back? Yes, well, what I think we're talking about is commemorative or collector coins. So these are coins that have never been in circulation. They've never been in anybody's change. They're minted specifically for collecting and they're sold both by the official Royal Mint, which, which also makes the change in our, in our wallets, um, and an array of private companies as well will we'll mint these mm-hmm. coins and sell them. And, and they often celebrate a historic occasion such as the coronation or other royal, military or, or even literary milestones. And while they're sometimes made of, of um, low value base metal, they're very often made of uh, 22 karat gold. They can be really beautiful and, and have quite high production values and even a mirror finish and, and be really shiny and attractive to look at. Um, and, and the costs, um, especially for the for the gold coins, can easily run well into the thousands. We've even seen one not that far shy of three thousand pounds. So, so certainly not um, a kind of throwaway purchase. Gosh, that is a lot, isn't it? And and you know, we're getting to the heart of our discussion today with this because it's something you neatly describe in your article for Which Money Magazine as a right royal markup on these coins. And and as we've already heard, some of them are really expensive. We're talking as much as thousands of pounds, as you say. So can you talk to us about the perception that commemorative coins are investments then? Yes. So what we've found is that because um, commemorative coins are often made of precious metals such as gold, people are mistakenly thinking that they are investing in gold by buying one. But that's simply not true. The -hmm. coins are actually sold at a really big markup on the value of the gold inside them. And and we've seen markups of anything from kind of 60% through to, I think we've even even seen more than 300% markup. Um, 
And, and, and that kind of markup on the gold value means it could actually take longer than your own lifetime um, for the value of gold to rise enough to overcome the markup that you've paid on that coin. And, and you might say, well, OK, that's the gold aspect. But what about the design, the beautiful design of the coin or the royal connection? Um, it, doesn't that guarantee a rise in value of the coin? Um, sadly not. Uh, there, there are so many of these sorts of coins being minted, you know, not just by the Royal Mint, as we've discussed, but also by various private companies. Um, and that can reduce the sense of rarity. And overall, it's just a bit of a gamble. Um, you know, but but we do find that people are are mistakenly thinking that these are investments. And in fact, um, we did a survey of which members um, back in February and found eight percent of, of of the members had bought a coin as an investment. But unfortunately, more than half of those people that had done that had bought the specially minted collector coins, which is really the wrong to- sort of coin to buy. And, and sadly, they're quite likely to lose money on, on that purchase. Oh, it's, it's not a surprise though, really, is it? Because it is a pretty confusing picture. Well, can we get a bit deeper then into the different types of coins out there? So the one type of coin that is suitable as an investment is bullion. So, so Faye, what does bullion mean when it comes to coins? And why are these specifically seen as investments? So, so this is really a, a straightforward investment in a precious metal. So a bullion coin is, and it can also um, be be a metal bar um, as well, um, but they're generally 24 carat pure gold. Um, they're sold at a small markup over the value of the gold within them, normally around 5%, which means they're far likelier to gain value within your own lifetime than, for example, a commemorative coin with a markup of 60 to 300%. And they're not produced to the same a beautiful flawless standard as some of the of the really lovely commemorative coins which means the production costs are lower but the designs can still be quite interesting and noteworthy in their own right this is a really interesting one Faye isn't it I mean can we get into some of the details so where you can buy this from how would you even store it and and I suppose generally do you rate buying bullion as an investment so it's quite a straightforward way to invest in gold. It's easy to understand, isn't it? The, the gold is a physical item. Mm. Um, it's quite easy to understand. Mm-hmm. The upfront expense, though, is that you need to factor in storage. Third party is looking after your gold, which is quite common. Mm. Alternatively, you can look after it at home. Um, then you have to factor in delivery costs, insurance, and possibly the cost of installing a safe or something like that. It, it's a nice, simple way of investing in gold you know, it does have some costs attached. And um, the the other way to do it is by um, buying shares in um, uh, gold related companies, or buying a share of um, a kind of shared pot of gold, which is an exchange traded fund or commodity. So those those ways of doing things don't have the storage costs, but they're slightly more complicated to understand. So the thing with gold in general as an investment is that it's really a kind of diversification strategy. That means it shouldn't be more than, you know, kind of estimates vary, but it shouldn't be more than a roughly 10% of your overall portfolio of investments. So if you've, if you've mostly invested in stocks and shares, um, then this is kind of a useful hedge against um, volatility in the stock market, um, just spreading the risk around. But it's not really advisable to invest kind of all of your or most of your portfolio into gold. It, it, it's more of a, um, a risk spreading strategy. 
Thanks, Faye. Some really solid advice there. And as we're seeing today, there are many layers to this. And I think the next one we really need to talk about is rare coins. We've talked about them before in the podcast. These are the coins that are the rarest and most valuable, or what's called numismatic coins. So more recent ones that often get a mention are the Kew Gardens 50p and some of the 2012 Olympic coins. Faye, what's special about these numismatic coins? So um, these are really real coins in the sense that they've been in circulation, they've been designed for circulation, um, rather than just being minted straight to go into somebody's collection. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that really kind of adds a sense of history. You know, they've probably passed through, you know, many hands. They're usually quite rare and often very old. Some numismatic coins are hundreds of years old. Although, as you say, the 50Ps that have been released into general circulation in more recent years by the Royal Mint have also caused a real buzz. And the Kew Gardens coin has been known to fetch um, hundreds of pounds at auction, so so way more than the face value of 50p. And a, another type of coin which, which can um, attract interest at auction are so-called error coins, where there's been a mistake small mistake in the design or the spelling during the minting process. So so these are the real coins um, designed for real world use um, that become um, of interest to numismatic collectors. And so then all the coins that aren't especially rare or old or bullion, uh, all the other coins that fall under the umbrella of collectibles, and there's a lot of them, what's the difference then? So in, in a nutshell, it's, it's to do with the purpose of the coin. So Bullion is minted for precious metal investment. Numismatic coins were released with general circulation in mind, even if that's not what happened, even if in the case of the Kew Gardens coin, they mostly got snatched out of circulation and, you know, uh, traded on eBay and so on. Mm. Um, But collector and commemorative coins, regardless of whether they are made of gold um, or, or, or base metals, are minted for collectors to look beautiful and be enjoyed and to commemorate something in history. That is their sole purpose and that's it. And they cannot be relied upon for anything else. Well, it's interesting you end on that point there. Well, let's bring it back now then to the commemorative coins for the coronation. So of those out there now, are any likely to increase in value? Um, Unfortunately, this is just so unpredictable uh, and past events uh, do not really provide much of a guide. So, for example, um, there was only one commemorative coin minted for um, Queen Elizabeth II for her coronation in 1953, and that was a five shilling coin. There were six million of those made, and we found it for sale for three pounds. So that's clearly not gained much in value. There are many more versions of Charles III coronation coins which, which have been made as commemorative coins straight to go straight into collections. And while some of them are labelled limited edition and the company might have only made a few hundred, there's a kind of cumulative deluge of these coins, which are coming not just from one company or not just from the Royal Mint, but from a plethora of different companies, all slightly different designs. And that in itself can reduce the perception of rarity. And we also just don't know whether people in the future will have any interest in collecting coins. So it's all just a bit of a gamble. And that's why we say you cannot rely on this as an investment. And I suppose on that point, Faye, too, you know, we've talked a lot on the podcast about how we're moving towards, you know, rightly or wrongly, a a more cashless society. 
how could this affect coin collecting? Because obviously it, you, you'd expect it to affect the number of coins actually put out into circulation. Yes. So with um, more payments being done contactlessly, it's likely that fewer coins will be minted over time. And that eventually we will move to a truly cashless society. And obviously that will mean then that we won't um, kind of have the current joy of, of looking for these, these rare 50Ps in our change. But what it will mean for coin collecting more broadly, nobody really knows. Will it be the case that um, going cashless um, reduces people's interest in collecting coins? Or will, will things go the opposite way? And will, will they be seen as an interesting memento of the past? It, it's very hard to say. It just remains to be seen. It is an interesting one, isn't it? We'll just have to keep 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 an eye on it and, and see how things move. Well, it definitely feels that right now um, the buzz around coin collecting has built up this misconception that they're bound to be worth something more than their face value. And and while in many cases collectible coins are sold by legitimate companies like the Royal Mint, where there's no misleading going on, we should say that there is a darker side to all of this. And we've heard a lot about scamming and fraud around coin collecting. Faye, can you explain more? Back in 2017, we made a a series of undercover calls to different commemorative coin companies, posing as a novice investor, and we found some really worrying practices. What we would have expected was for these companies to say, um, these coins are not investments, they're just beautiful commemorative items. But what we actually found was firms discussing kind of past pricing performance of coins in a way that we felt implied possible future profits and also um, in their adverts using phrases like gold investors and gold buyers despite many of these collector coins as we've discussed being completely inappropriate as investments due to their very high markup so that's one that's one aspect of of um, poor behavior we've seen in this industry But on the really extreme end of the scale, we've also encountered several cases where individuals, um, often elderly and living alone, it has to be said, claim to have spent tens of thousands of pounds on coins, which then turned out um, to be worth much less than what they'd paid for them. Um, And this has happened after these individuals were effectively groomed over the phone over many months by, by very convincing con artists. Um, and we've had a number of, of allegations of that of that sort of behaviour. It's very worrying, and it can lead to tens of thousands of pounds being being lost. So, so that's that's really the very dark dark end of the scale. Oh, it's heartbreaking to hear those kinds of stories. And to make matters worse, if something does go wrong when you're buying collectible coins, they're not regulated, are they? So, what does this mean in practice? That's right. If you were dealing with a regulated financial advisor or investment company, you'd be able to um, speak to the ombudsman. Um, the regulator would be able to step in. Uh, you'd have someone to bring your complaint to who would order the seller to put things right if you've been misled or missold. But where there's no regulatory structure and no ombudsman, in many cases, your only recourse, um, if something went wrong, would be to appeal to your bank for a reimbursement, which is often um quite unlikely to actually come through and the alternative to that is to try and mount a a civil action in court which is which can be really expensive and and just very stressful and frightening and and most people would would never go that far so really um there's there's not much to protect you if things go wrong so it's super important then that if any of our listeners do want to buy coins that 
they buy safely and from a legitimate company. So, so Faye, what's your advice then for anyone wanting to buy a commemorative coin for the coronation or, or otherwise? The absolutely key advice is never to buy a collector coin for investment purposes. It really should just be viewed as similar to a beautiful piece of jewellery, for example, something to admire and enjoy, but not make money from. And if you if you always keep this in mind, you're less likely to be um, scammed. If you are going to buy a commemorative coin and you understand that it's just for your personal enjoyment and the beauty of the coin, then the Royal Mint sells a range of commemorative coins. And um, on their website, which is reputable, they are clearly separated from the bullion coins with investment potential. So you'll be able to see which one you are buying. And, and if you want to learn more about coin collecting in general, you can also contact the Royal Numismatic Society um, that has lots of resources online. And Faye, earlier in the show, you mentioned also that many private companies make and sell coins. Would you recommend going down or, or avoiding that road? So um, it really depends on which coin you're trying to buy. If it's only available from, from a particular private company, then obviously you will probably have to purchase it from there. And there are an array of private companies that are selling these, these kinds of um, very attractive gold commemorative coins. A few of them that I've looked at as, uh, through our investigation are, are Harrington Byrne, Coin Portfolio Management um, and Hattons of London, as well as the London Mint Office, which is not to be confused with the Royal Mint. They're not the same thing. And many of these sell um, kind of beautiful gold commemorative coins. One thing you can do um, is yourself check up, check out the markup that you're being charged on the gold. So um, on most product pages for these coins, you'll be able to find the purity, i.e. 22 carats, 24 carat, and also the weight of the coin. Now, there are many um, calculators online which will tell you um, the, the current value of gold. And you can input both the purity of the gold and the weight of the gold and find out what the gold in your coin is worth. And then you'll be able to compare that to the price you're actually being charged to see just how much of a markup you're paying. But again, it's important to stress that you should never buy these as a gold investment. The big question then that we've landed on here is if you want to find out how valuable a coin is before you buy, or if you already have coins at home, you want to see if they fall into that rare and valuable numismatic category, what should you do? Well, well, first, let's hear from witch journalist Ian Aikman, who went on a journey with the Witch Money podcast a couple of years ago to get his Uncle Ray's coin collection valued. So it is a lovely, brisk Wednesday morning. I am taking a stroll to the coin shop with my bag of coins. I started to regret walking instead of taking the tube at one point. The bag is actually getting kind of heavy, to be honest. I'm very close to the coin shop now. I'm not actually able to record in there. So I'm going to go in, try and sell these coins, and I'll update you afterwards. It was not the best news. I'm back. Oh. And I still have the coins. Oh, oh every single one. Those are rejected. What happened in the coin shop was this. The man behind the counter was very friendly and very kind about it, but the truth was, he just didn't want to buy Ray's coins. He looked through them and he immediately said, these look quite modern, 
And looking around me at the coins on the walls in the shop behind glass casing, I could see what he meant. The coins he had looked like they were hundreds, maybe even thousands of years old, while most of Ray's were dozens. He still entertained me. He went through each coin and he wrote down some numbers. And in the end, he valued them at £244, which was great. But he did reconfirm that he wouldn't be buying them himself. He just wouldn't be able to sell them in the shop. And we also caught up with Ian this week to get his thoughts now on coin collecting and whether they're a worthwhile investment. I think coin collecting is something that you've got to do just because you love coins. Uh, you can't really look at it as a reliable investment. Um, you know, there's trouble trying to sell them potentially. There's no guarantee that they're going to increase in value. People love collecting coins. It's fun. The actual coins themselves can be quite fun. So I understand why people do it. But I think if you're buying a coin thinking, yes, this is going to increase in value. This is a sort of solid way to make money. That's not that's not the mindset you should have. Thank you, Ian. And, and Faye, for anyone wanting to work out the value of a coin, whether it's before buying one or one you've already bought or inherited, what advice would you give? Well, one of the easiest things you can do is just simply have a look online. Um, there are many auction houses that have archives where you'll be able to see what coins have previously sold for. Although it's really important to stress that past performance is not necessarily a guide to how much the coin would be worth now. But that's something that's worth doing. Another thing you can do is coins from circulation, i.e. real coins that have been in people's change, can be checked on um, a website called changechecker.org. And um, it won't tell you the value, but it will give you an idea of scarcity by telling you how many were were minted in the first place. If you want to go a step further and get a proper valuation, you can go to a specialist auction house, which has um, experience of coins and medals. There are many of these, but a, a couple of these are Spink, Sotheby's, and also the Royal Mint has its own authentication and valuation service for coins that have been struck before 1971. So there's lots of options there. A huge thank you to Faye and Ian for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our new episodes as soon as they drop. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was written by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by me and Rob Lilly, edited by Rob with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins.